Welcome to the fifth episode of The Code Switch. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully Ooh. you enjoy um, the last few podcasts that we um, posted. Um, make sure that you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Code Switch Podcast. Yes. So you have DJ here and... Tom here. <laughs> and O here. <laughs> so we're going to kick off the conversation this week to talk about the 10-year challenge. That's been like all over Instagram. Yes. So. <laughs> I want to get you guys' feedback. Like, did you post one? What's your overall thoughts on the challenge? Um, I did not post one because I'm not active on social media. <laughs> so um, Yeah, I barely... I have two pictures. <laughs> two pictures. And like but you deleted all your pictures. Zero followers. But I don't post, like, regularly. So I wasn't going to post one. But, I mean, I guess it's great to look back at how far we've come. I just don't feel like I've personally come far enough for me to be like oh back in the day you right. know that was like middle school <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like what am I posting <laughs> Ooh, uh, see same I did not post one but my sister we have a family group me and she sent like she sent all of me and my brother's old pictures and oh my god growth <laughs> Straight growth. Right. In such a cute way, though. I, I'll show you guys a picture. I look like a teacher in high school. So I've always been business casual. Like, legitimately since adolescence. So it's, in your it's blood. very interesting to see, like, glimpses of who I'm slowly still becoming. Yeah. I thought that part was cool. Yeah. And I, I don't hate on people who have posted it. There are some people who be like, you look the same. Right. And that's like, okay. Or they say ugly, they're ugly. <laughs> oh, I, can't. I cannot deal. I cannot. I just, I don't know. I, for me, like, I'm happy for everyone, like, you know, reminiscing. And it actually is fun to see, like, some of my friends that I met, like, in college or something, and I didn't know back then to mm, just see what they looked right, like. It's right. like, oh my God, that's what you were looking like. Like, you were real cute in college, girl. So, um, or the dudes, because both of yeah. them were looking way better back then than they are now. Oh, I know. Oh, I feel like for me, it's like the opposite. Really? Yeah, they were looking like, what What back then? And now they're like, oh, okay, you're a good looking guy. Hmm. Again, because all of mine are from middle school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Right, give it 10 more years. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, kind of like spinning off like the 10 year challenge, what would you guys want to tell yourself in terms of like your 10 years ago? Like, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago based on where you are now and your experiences? Ooh, that's a good mm. one. I was just thinking about this the other day. <laughs> It's crazy because you hear people have lack of confidence mm-hmm. or like they doubt themselves or they suffer from low self-confidence. Right. I feel like I just didn't have any confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. Like not low, but not high. Right. So like even think I literally was just thinking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about these guys that were attracted to me in high school, but uh-huh. I never paid attention to them because it was like subconsciously mm-hmm. I already felt like, oh, he's too cute for me anyways. Right. And I would, like, always date an ugly guy. Right. But Mm -hmm. not, like, not like, oh, I'm ugly, but just self-consciously. So I was just thinking from, like, being a future parent, it's equally important to teach, like, high confidence. Mm -hmm. I think people focus so much when a child has low self-confidence. So you have to build her confidence up. Right. But you also have to give that energy to kids who maybe don't 
present that. Right. They're just, like, kids, and they might not even, like, have self-doubt, but still boosting them up to, like, think more of themselves. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I really agree with that. It's crazy because mm-hmm. I feel like mine is the exact same thing. If I were to sit down with myself um, with myself um, 10 years ago, I would definitely tell myself to be confident in the person I am. And there were a lot of things that I did back then that I was involved in, sports, modeling, acting, that I just never felt like I was good enough for. Um that was when I was still in high school-ish, so I was still modeling. And I remember there was one fashion show that I think someone from Vogue or someone was there, and we were all getting critiqued afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy I was modeling for came to me after and said, they really liked you, but they felt like you were missing something. And I couldn't understand like what it was. What? Right, what it was I was missing, but it was confidence because he told me like, on on the runway you look mm-hmm. timid and i didn't i didn't understand that at that moment cuz i'm like like what what do you want me to do like walk mm-hmm. up straight like what is comp like mm-hmm. what do you want from me because not knowing that my inner self confidence your inner self confidence shows through no right. matter like right. what you're doing yeah. and i didn't understand that concept back then so i think definitely even with basketball like i was always so like unsure of myself rather than just and i was good cuz i was tall and i'm athletic but I just was never like sure of myself. If you're just half of it is just being sure of yourself, mm-hmm. you know. So I would definitely tell myself like confidence and just be sure of yourself and be confident in who you are. But do you feel as though with kind of like the age of like overall like social media that there is an increase in confidence or maybe a false confidence? Because I feel Ooh. as though in terms of just like anybody can, came to work today. No, right. I'm saying, like in terms of like posting followers yeah. and people, there's always going to, you're basically able to reach a larger amount of the world as right. opposed to me just being in one city right. and beauty being defined by this small one group city. of people versus, you know, I'm, I'm sending my pictures out there to the masses so right. you're always getting, you know, compliments or more right. compliments, compliments that you might get right. within a smaller town. So sometimes that creates a boost of confidence and I do feel, as, and it's kind of like twofold because I feel as though within social media, there's a boost of confidence or maybe false confidence, but yeah. then also on the flip side, when people do get in these real life situations, yeah. then it's kind of like you don't know how to really interact face to face. Right. So it's kind of like a weird mm, dynamic. I agree. And I yeah. feel like for, I think our generation, I think up until my generation, we're, we were lucky enough to have the best of both worlds, the mm-hmm. no social media yeah, world, totally. and now enter the social media mm-hmm. world. So we're able to in person communicate and still have that same confidence whereas i don't think that is the case for younger generations Mm -hmm. i think even i see it with my own like younger cousins they're like all on social media just like these like little Mm -hmm. mini influencers but then in person they're like yeah like and i'm like hey i'm sitting right next to you are you gonna speak to me like are we gonna have a conversation (laughs) like over christmas break there was three of them all around the same age in the house. And when I was younger, if three of us were in the house, 
At the same time, on, on vacation from school, I mean, we're going crazy. Yeah, like, but they were just sitting there on their phones. Yeah, yeah, they literally would stay in three separate rooms, not talk to each other mm-hmm. the whole time, and just on their phones watching YouTube or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how? and I kept asking them, how are you all three in the house and you are not tearing up the house? Like, right. I would be, we would be doing whatever it was. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. just getting into all sorts of trouble. But that was the mm-hmm. fun of it. So it's... Yeah, it's really, it's difficult for the younger ones. It is. And, like, so you you even touched on it. It goes twofold, right? Mm -hmm. You'll, like, meet random people who are just like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And you're like, thanks, girl. Right. You feel it genuine. It's a (laughs) regular person. Not too long. Like, a million followers. Right. Just someone like you. And you feel that positive energy and that Mm -hmm. bounces you up. But then... it swings the other way where it's like you're only doing things now for Instagram. Right. 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 Like people right. want to lose right. weight for Instagram. Right. I say to myself, I want to be nude on Instagram. Like I want to lose so much weight. You say you want to be nude? Girl. I want to be so popping that I'm on Instagram. Right. Husband and all. Naked. Right. So it's just like. <laughs> okay. But like truly. So it's like versus I feel like when we were growing up, people worked out to look good. Right. right, not for not, Instagram, not, not for, for someone else, yes. not for right. likes, for themselves. And I think like I think it's really changing <laughs> just the way like education is making an effect on kids, right? Because you'll meet people like through speakers and stuff in high school, and you're like, oh, I want to be like them. They seem so accomplished, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Instagram is like, well. The seemingly millionaires are the influence, not the doctors or the lawyers. Right. Like, yeah. So that's what yeah. I want to do. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of, um, I actually had this discussion with one of uh, my coworkers uh, at work. A lot of those influencers are not living that life that you're what? seeing. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, my coworker was telling me of a prime example of someone he knows who's a really big in- influencer, but is scamming and it does not really have like a place mm-hmm. to live and stuff mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. you know it's not always what it looks like and I do think that we have gained this sort of instant gratification from social media because like I post a picture and then like 90 people like it and I'm like oh I feel really good like everyone mm-hmm. thinks I'm cute and that's like instant gratification mm-hmm. and I think that is the problem <laughs> in society today is that all the self-confidence is based off of instant gratification like mm-hmm. a lot and of, and then it's also you're placing your confidence in someone else's hands, hands versus exactly. yours. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the day right. it's like if I post a picture and one person likes it versus two hundred, that right. doesn't make me less beautiful. Exactly. But I feel like people feel as though if you get a certain amount of likes, then this makes you right. feel good about yourself. When you should have back to your point, Tom, in terms of just that inner confidence that you have right. in building, and not necessarily having to have that validation from people that you Outsiders. don't even know. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the second fold for me mm-hmm. is being able to see, especially growing up there weren't girls who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Like, one, I came from a different country. Mm-hmm. So when I first came here, everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Anytime I opened my mouth, it was like, what are you saying? So I didn't, I couldn't mm-hmm. connect with other girls like me because the schools I attended were majority white. So I didn't see other girls like me. I was usually mm-hmm. the only one. So for social media, it does open you up to a world of, oh, there are beautiful mm-hmm. chocolate girls that look like me, you know, all around the world. And like, I feel like now, like, especially dark skinned girls are coming back into right. play and people are like, oh, look at this dark chocolate queen. Right. right. Um, and, and that goes to the whole conversation about like the blackest episode that's coming on tonight that I think focuses on just overall colorism. Yes. And I, for- I forget the little girl's name that's on the show. Um, 
daughter I don't know her real name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but the, the younger girl, daughter, the youngest yeah. um, mm-hmm. twin, um, just basically what she faces right. and then what we face as you know black women in society. Not not only at work corporately, but also just in your overall interactions. Like yeah. I know when I was in college and it was um, my, one of my friends was really dark, and she would say, "Oh, people would say." Oh, you're really pretty for a dark-skinned girl oh or different that things. Literally, that you, what I heard every day. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like different things that you go through, and even I do feel as though that Instagram, to your point, has definitely created like that platform where you're able to more so embrace who you are because still the imagery of black women is still limited, especially when you look at like magazines on TV. Right. Etc. But with right. an Instagram, it's so powerful because that overall celebration of like black women and different shades, and you're able to see a lot of different people that look like you. So right. I do think that that is the good part about social media is creating mm-hmm. that community and acceptance of different, you know, women, different shades, different races, different shapes. It's kind of like there's someone out there yeah. <laughs> for everybody in the right. Sense, and know? I feel like it's starting to hold the industry to a standard mm-hmm. because now people are demanding right. multiple shades like look mm-hmm. at Fenty mm-hmm. like look at Rihanna right. she came and out now and she said trying to get on the at, right, right. Oh, everybody has like 60 shades, shades. Right. like what right. is going on <laughs> right. you know and for years and years and years there weren't there weren't our shades mm-hmm. I mean I remember when I was younger I'd be like oh well I probably can't even wear foundation ever because right. even yeah. when I was modeling my foundation was always like unless a professional came in and do it did it it was just like crazy mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so I mean, it's just such a transformation from where we were before. And I think it does have a lot to do with social media, even with, I mean, everyone gave Victoria's Secret such a hard time for saying that they didn't want trans or larger models mm-hmm. on their runways, which, I mean, I don't get because the, the girls you have on your runway, they are one in a million. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, They're the 1% of people who right. actually look like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody else looks like that. And if you're trying to mark, I mean, and they said it, oh, that's not who we're marketing to, but... That is because, I mean, all of us as young girls, we all shopped at Victoria's Secrets at some point. Most girls, that was their first credit card. Um, Mm. So, you know, you can't exclude, you know, everyone else and, you know, use the 1% as a representation. So I do think social media really does hold certain industries to a standard that they have Mm. to adhere to now. So what are, so you said that when you came over that, you basically were faced with that because you come from another country and right. people were like, oh, you look different. So let's talk right. about like some examples or experiences that we've had with colorism okay. and then like how that made you feel and then like how did you deal with it? Right. Yeah. So for me, I honestly didn't think, I didn't know it was a, a thing until I got to college. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Elementary school one time, this boy named Lamar. It's so impactful <laughs> because it was such a rare situation. Yeah. He was like, you were just so pretty, but you're so dark. I remember wow. him saying that we were really? in fourth was he grade. Dark? Was he light? Yeah, he was super light. We were in fourth grade, and we were outside the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And he said that, and it just struck me as odd. Because I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I had no real answer for him. Like, right. I don't know 
why this is dark. I don't know. Because of my parents? I don't know. Like, my dad my dad is dark, but yeah. my mom's not super dark. Yeah. And this is just what it came out to be. Right. And that stuck with me. But then it wasn't until I got to college where I really heard, and I think, too, the music around that time, mm-hmm. like, it was all Redbone this, all Redbone that. Yeah. And it just amplified it. And it was really the first time, like, in my life that I was like, dang, like, Am I just dark? Am I too dark? Right. I never questioned it before. It was never something I paid attention to before I got to college. That is so crazy. Mine was the exact opposite. I mean, yes, from the time I landed in this country, I was too dark. I mean, I was just too dark. Oh, where did Toby go? I can't find Toby. Mm. I mean, I had especially... Well, I mean, like I said, I went to school with predominantly, you know, white people. I, I remember I had... There was this... Guy. So it was white people that claimed, like called out your darkness? Yeah, there was this one guy. He was actually one of my really good friends. And he was like, we were, this was middle school. He's like, oh, Toby, I would totally date you. Like, you're so pretty for a dark-skinned girl. That's and I was so like, crazy. Because okay. me, it was only black people. Yeah. Like, I was always in classes with white people. Only right. black people called it out. Right. And I think as you get... It's because you saw it when you got older. I don't mm. think an older white person would have said that. But for, I mean, us in middle school, we were... It, we, we were just middle schoolers just having conversations so it was always oh for a dark skinned girl and then that carried to high school where I was just really? overlooked constantly because I was dark skinned like I mean even and I at some point I accepted it because I like I said I was an athlete so I was just like whatever like I'm a tomboy anyway I don't care about mm-hmm. what all these boys think and um I would like wear like baggier a little my mm-hmm. uniform was always baggier like the girls would always be like snatched all my friends were always like you know uniform snatched or whatever and then like come homecoming or prom they would I'd be like oh my god like <laughs> this is what you look like underneath there and I'm just like I mean right. <laughs> what do you want me to do um and yeah so I experienced it throughout elementary school middle school high school and then when I got to college that's when and I don't know if it's the college I went to, but I just felt like at home finally. I was around so many mm-hmm. people from where I'm from. Mm. Um, so we're all different shapes and colors and sizes. And I mean, it was just that's when I really learned to appreciate my color because nobody ever told me in college, oh, you are so pretty for a dark skinned girl. It was just people just yeah, thought I was pretty. Right. I was like, oh, OK, like, cool, mm-hmm. let's roll with it. And I think that's when I reached like the height of my confidence was in college just because I was like, OK, like there are other people who look like me. I have friends mm-hmm. who are darker than me. And I like I mean, their skin color is just so beautiful and I didn't learn to appreciate that beauty until I got to college and I saw my friends and I was just like we are just popping my light skin girls are popping my darker skin girls like we are all just popping like what can I say Mm -hmm. you know so it was but it was a struggle for me really it really was Mm -hmm. middle school and high school I mean it was really rough and I mean I, what was I was gonna? I mean, if I go home and tell my mom that, my mom is gonna be like, "Did I send you to school to be talking about stuff like that?" Girl. Like, I could not. I could not tell my mom that. My mom would be like, "I sent you to school to learn. Go to school and go learn." Okay, I don't care what anybody has right. to say. You, I didn't send her favorite thing. I didn't send you to school to make friends. Oh my right. friends, right? Friends all the time. Right. Right, and if you're hearing this and you're African, you know exactly what I'm talking about because that is their favorite line. I didn't send you to school to make friends. So, you know, I'm just, I think now it's a lot better. I don't see my younger cousins going through that who are, I mean, it was so bad when we were younger that 
my <laughs> this story is so funny so my cousin my aunt and my uncle my aunt is really 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 light skin and her husband is really 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 dark skin so their first child is a boy and he's light skin and then my younger girl cousin she's dark skin and I always used to be like, oh, my chocolate bunny, my chocolate beauty. And she, if I called her chocolate, she would lose her shit. Really? Yeah. Like there was one time we were in church and I called her that. And I mean, she like had a complete meltdown in church. I'm not dark skin. I'm yellow like my mommy. Like freaking mm. out. And I was just like, girl, That's what is wrong, wrong with you? Wow. But that pain runs really wow. deep. Right. Yeah. Right. And now she's like completely like embraced it and everyone thinks she's so cute. I mean, because she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Like she, she's always been just gorgeous, mm -hmm. but she just could not fathom being dark skin. And I think it was because at that time it just was unacceptable. That is wow. so, I wonder why it was so different. No. Maybe being from South Florida, yeah, where it's just so, it's just no one looks alike. Because I went to school right. in Florida. So, I felt like it was so different when I got right. to Florida. But you being from Georgia, which is yeah. a southern state, yeah. and that is just so interesting. Now, right. For a while, I really hated, <laughs> like, this is going to sound bad. I don't even, I don't think I should say it. Let me rephrase it. I just... I was really frustrated with black people in college. Really? I really was. That was the most alienated I think I've ever felt my entire mm. life. Because I was what constantly... What did you go to school in? Um, I went to, well, Florida State. Okay. So North okay. Florida. I okay. considered that the South. Okay. Like not... So very different from South Florida. Very yeah. different from Tampa. Yeah. And I just was really frustrated. I was too... I spoke too differently from the black people. Oh my gosh. But I looked very black. Story I'm very of my dark. Life. Yes. So it was just like, but that was never a thing for me. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I just remember going there. I just hated it so much my first week. I was like, please come and get me. Right. I don't like it here. That is crazy. And it was, but then it's like the white people are white. Right. Waspy mm -hmm. white. Right. And mm -hmm. not like South Florida white. Right. But mm -hmm. white, and it was a very strange. I took a, it, maybe it took like a year or two years for me to really find my groove and find like my, my my tribe. Yeah, but it was a very awkward feeling. Right, mm -hmm. I felt the same way again in middle school and high school, where outside of um, like my white friends, my black friends were like, "Oh my god, you sound so white," and I'm just like, "Okay." I don't know what you want me to do. Oh like, this gosh. is just how I talk. If yeah. I go home and I speak anyhow, my mom is going to smack me upside my head. So, like, this is mm -hmm. just who I am and this is how I talk. But then, like, my to my white friends, I was still, I was a homegirl and I was Toby. Did and they I call was, you Oreo? <laughs> oh, that goes back to the... Yes, for the yes. longest, I, I was Oreo. I called Oreo. Yeah. That goes back to the previous episode where you were talking about your coworkers. Right! <laughs> right! It's just, it's it, and it was confusing for me <laughs> as a child. It was very but confusing. It's so confusing. Because yeah. you almost feel like, well, should I not talk this way? But this is exactly. what feels naturally to me. Right. And it's like, I remember in high school, a coach, like, sitting me down, having, like, a 20-minute conversation with me. Just that asking what? me questions. Did you go to school in Connecticut? Oh, my God. from the North. Why? Like, it was so strange. I was in the flag football team. This coach, literally, as, like, people are warming up and everything, just asking me these questions. I was just like, no. But for what? No, yeah. Just because no, of how no. you sound? Just because of how I sounded. That is ridiculous. And it was just so... To me, it was really a, a shame because it's like, you assume because I'm in advanced classes, this is why I sound this way. Right. And I think that's problematic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I've even, in grocery stores been looked at a certain way and then I start to speak and the person next to me is like 
huh? Oh, okay. Kind of like, right. like yeah. oh, what is, oh, what is that there? Like, oh, so now you want to talk to me, and before you were acting like I was holding you at gunpoint. Yes. Oh, do you feel like you ever code switch with black people? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes when I'm feeling a certain way, especially like in a simple interaction, whether it's at the bank or the grocery store, right? And I'm just being me, and I'm feeling this energy. And I'm like, but you know what, girl? Today's not the day. Or right. I say something like that just mm-hmm. to break the ice. Yeah. Like, so it's not like, oh, look at this uppity right N word. Like, <laughs> why is she all here acting all bougie or whatever? Right. Look. <laughs> just so you have to, you you kind of have to have those checkpoints. Yeah. But it's awkward that we have to do that in both sides. Yeah. And I think that was probably what was hardest for me growing up. And in college, I still experienced that just because everyone thought I was bougie and over the top and whatever. But I mean, this is just, I've learned that this is just who I am. This is the person God created me yeah. to be. So that's just it. And how you were raised. Right. right. Yeah. Like, yeah, do y'all want to meet right. my blank, 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 blank? Well, and that's okay. what's awkward because people don't know your background. Right. My parents don't know English. So where did I learn English? From other people, right. not them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go to school eight hours of the day. So exactly. all the English I learned is from watching television shows or having white teachers. Right. So naturally, I'm going to sound like how I was taught. Exactly. And exactly. I think people don't think about deep stuff like that. No, it's they always don't. a very negative, like, oh, she must be rich. She must be bougie. Yeah. And it's like not even the case. Yeah. I have so many people who are like, when I first met you, I thought you were going to be such a bitch. I'm like, She's just crazy. I'm not. <laughs> Like I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm really be. laid. I can be, <laughs> but for the most part, I'm really like chill and just laid back, and yeah. I don't have any problems. So I don't know why you expected me to be so hostile going into this situation. You know, it's very strange. Yeah, right. well, people also look at you as a strong black woman, and right? People and just talking about like from a corporate standpoint, I feel as though like when you walk into the room, based on like how you look in terms of just. You know, tall, skinny, attractive. Mm-hmm. Right. They're always going to develop some type of outlook on like who you are. Right. You right. know, so that mm-hmm. overall the image that you portray. Yeah. You know, so they're always gonna think, Oh, she thinks that she's better than us. And then also it's that whole intimidation factor and they right. feel intimidated by you, so they kind of extend that to how they feel about you right you know so right. i just feel as though especially in the corporate world black women are always perceived that way or when you're doing something that's oh you're too overly confident or you're aggressive when mm. you take a stance right you know, in different meetings or different situations yeah so it's just that fine line that you have to deal with in your daily interactions with people and i find like in my experience especially corporate Colorism to me, in in terms of my experiences, is more so like, oh, well, you're, they kind of give you backhanded compliments, like, yeah. oh, you're very articulate, or you yes. handle this. You well. would never say that to and a white like, man. You right. never say, yeah, you would right. never, never, never say that. So I'm like, what does that mean? So I feel like it's, they don't come across as like other people that you might like interact with them that are like, oh, you, you know, you're pretty for a black woman or this or that. They kind of say it as a backhand compliment. Right. To your point, just like, okay. Right. Like, what does am that I even not mean? supposed to speak this way? Am exactly. Am I not supposed to handle myself this way? Exactly. Because of what? Because I never heard you, to your point, say that to any white man or any white woman. Right. So it's right. just like, I feel like, especially when you come in, and this kind of goes um, kind of like a different note, but similar. But I feel as though, like, especially in the corporate world, as a black woman, 
you have to prove yourself and prove oh, yeah. your worth. Oh, yeah. And prove what you bring to the table. As, as soon as you get there. As soon as you get there, <laughs> as opposed to even white men and white women, I feel as though when you come to the table, a lot of times you're already perceived to be smart. Oh, yeah, to be ahead of the edge. Ahead of yes. the game. Yes. yes. So it's definitely a different, you know, playing field when you're when you're dealing with that, like, in the corporate world. Yeah, and I also, uh, even, like, Tom and I have walked into offices, and it's like, oh, what's going on? Right. Oh, oh yeah. And I'm just like, um, you asked us to do something. You legitimately called this here. <laughs> we're right, here for right. the meeting. They feel intim- oh, yeah, I think I said one time when the lady was like, oh, you guys are aggressive if you come to a meeting together. And yeah. I think before, especially uh, in someone my... said that to you? Yeah, in my early career, it was kind of like an unknown rule that, like, if there's two black people that you're not supposed to sit next to each other. Wow. Yeah, but now I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I sit next to whoever yeah. I want to sit next to, but... So that's so interesting that you say that because I worked at a place where I had to, I worked on a team and the team wasn't cohesive. It was just like, whatever. like we're all here for the check pretty much. So then I was having lunch with my friend who happened to be black and an MVP of our like organization. He said something to my manager. What? Yeah. He said something. He was just like, he didn't directly say, oh, why are those girls having lunch outside of the team but mm-hmm. he kind of just alluded to I just don't feel like the team is as close as y'all used to be it feels off like of it's one off, off of him seeing literally you, two people two black, two black people, people on the team having lunch eat. and then we were only two black people on the team right so right. I just to me that was the first like damn we really can't be mm-hmm. seen together right and it was really It's always like, oh, they're conspiring to do something. Yes. Yes. Right. I'm just having lunch because I like this person. Exactly. You know? exactly. Just like Sarah and Rebecca would exactly. if they liked right. each other. And no one, right. no one is seeing them because there's mm. so many of them, but there's only a couple of us. Right. That's so interesting. So it's like, especially in those environments, being black makes you hyper visible. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Absolutely. Every single thing that you're doing is kind of under a microscope. Looked at, yeah. Mm-hmm. Under a microscope. So yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guys, that was a really good discussion. I really enjoyed that. Um, so thank yeah. you all for tuning in to this yes. episode. Thank yeah, you all. Please leave your comments. Let us know like your experiences overall, of, like colorism, and then also just looking going back to like the 10 year challenge if there are certain things that you would have told yourself definitely want to get feedback and maybe on a future episode we'll um kind of speak to the feedback that we receive from our listeners and kind of go from there so right yeah yeah right absolutely this has been the code switch podcast and shout out to our listener in finland <laughs> we, were yes. we see you and, and so we appreciate excited. you <laughs> thank you we love the finish right <laughs> Have a great week, y'all. Bye. Bye.